Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and welcome to this episode with Ken Turner, um, which I was really, really excited to have on because he's a man of many abilities and the jack of all trades, as they say. Um, and he's friends with Gunnar Roxon, who is, so he's involved in Broken Shields, which is the role-playing book that they're doing based on the uh, Agency Files series um, of books that Gunnar uh, writes. But not only does Ken do that, he also is a you know a, a visual effects supervisor. He does animation. Um, he worked for Reflection Studios, which um, is based in Oxford in England, who did Alien vs. Predator and a whole bunch of other sort of shoot 'em up games, which he worked there for something like 15 years, I think, or something. And uh, that's really interesting, being that I'm a huge video game fan. I actually owned um, the Alien vs. Predator, uh, both of the ones that he worked on, so um, that's pretty awesome. Um, he also worked and did um, Crisis, uh, was a director. Um, as a freelancer um, and also works for the BBC right now and also does horror films uh, one of the films that he mentioned which is hilarious is called Parasite um, which he made which was a very, like a B-movie horror film which is sort of a rip off of Alien which I'm really intrigued to watch which I'm sure I'll get round to doing because I'm a fan of B-movies um, so yeah um, he basically spends his time freelancing and also doing some BBC dramas which he told uh, one of the, the biggest revelations was he said that the same budget for BBC dramas is the same as making a B-movie horror film, which I thought was a fantastically interesting statement. So um, I forget what he mentioned the BBC dramas he did, but it was also one of them he said he couldn't mention because he was in the process of making it. Um, but yeah, um, being the fact that I don't own a TV, so that'll be my excuse for not knowing, um, I couldn't tell you what BBC dramas are on right now. Probably about other than The Musketeers. I think my, my friend Scott's mentioned that before, but anyway... Um, so yeah, uh, he is a really, really great uh, guest. He was fantastically interesting to talk to, um, that I, uh, hence why I enjoyed talking to him for as long as I did. Um, and he has a website, which if you're interested to, uh, whether you might, I don't know, maybe people listening to this who want to hire him, um, if you go to www.designimage.co.uk, um, that's, uh, there are apparently, I remember him saying in this that there's another version with an, um, with an underscore in it. Um, so it's just designimage.co.uk and you'll find information about all the stuff he's worked on, all these art he's done, his training, um, um, and all the other freelancing stuff and all the stuff that he's worked on. He also has a, um, a visual effects reel, uh, so you can have a look at his very work. So a huge thank you to Ken. Um, obviously follow us at Geek underscore apocalypse on the tweets. And uh, obviously, um, look, have a look at Broken Shields that Gunner and him is working on, and have a look at his website. Um, and obviously, in this in the build up to Christmas, we're going to do an extra special, which you're going to hear uh, after this episode. But a huge thank you and a merry Christmas. I hope you're having a good holiday period and enjoy this episode with the very fabulous Ken Turner. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, sir. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. 
No, thank you very much. Indeed. Um, so yeah, um, obviously the context that I will mention probably more in the intro because I do a post introduction to this is um, that uh, Gunnar recommended you because of the stuff that you've been involved in before he met you. And I think the most relevant point to start with is because we've we talked a little bit about your good self on that uh, episode that uh, would be released as of this recording. So um, how did you meet Gunnar? I think is probably the good starting point. Um, he lives down the road for me, <laughs> and um, the the lady who works in the local like you have an email. <laughs> right. So the lady um, who works in the good old gameskeeper down in Oxford, um, uh-huh. who, which and they've been there since like the dawn of time, as far as I can make out. <laughs> um, she she recommended that she's been basically recommending that I meet up with him for about a decade. Okay, and I was like, yeah, no, I've got time, and then I finally met him. Dude, this dude is cool. <laughs> like, he has some of the coolest stories on the planet. There's hmm. n- there, nobody I know has like had death threats and like broken into a prison <laughs> and been paid to do it. Like, does nobody <laughs> I know have done that? So um, yeah. Anyway, we started hanging out. I started playing his role playing game, and then um, just recently I've been taking some time off to uh, basically like work on my artistic practice. Mm-hmm. Which is a commercial artist isn't something you really get to do because you're just too busy kind of working on other people's stuff. Yeah. So um, and it felt like a good opportunity for us to kind of collaborate on cool sci-fi stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, like again, commercially, like because uh, I work in TV now, there isn't much sci-fi stuff going around. We tend to do like period drama stuff. Okay. So um, yeah, it's just it's been really good fun. Um, I'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd. Um, yeah, well, you're, you're the right. You're on the right podcast then. Clearly, <laughs> so, yeah, it's good. We can like like future. What's it called? Like you want to work out what might, what might happen in the future and like bullshitting all the way through this thing. Where the hyperdrives and like yeah, yeah, dives into other people's consciousness and all this kind of drone crazy shit that's going on. That's no, been good. Yeah, no, that sounds that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's one of the reasons I love sci-fi for that reason is that. You know, the 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 sky is not just not really the limit. It's anything. It's uh, the whole universe of the limit. So, um, yeah, I really like it for that reason. So, there's a bunch of things you said in there that intrigues me. So, um, were you uh, essentially based on the fact of how you met Gunnar through sort of gaming and stuff like that? Are you being a gamer your whole life then? Yeah. Um, yeah. My my somewhat checkered history, which I guess we can spread out over the show. But yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I started gaming. Like pretty much as soon as I could think. <laughs> uh, um, so like, uh, let's see. Like I uh, way back when, when I was a toddler. <laughs> but you, uh, what you should have done as a joke there is when so when I was twenty one. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, didn't, it didn't arrive to consciousness in the twenties. No, no, when I was a toddler, actually, no, uh, no, it's later than that. No, basically, I was having French lessons off somebody, like basically because I can't spell, I'm partially dyslexic, so I was having like language lessons off somebody to help me along. And their kids were playing Dungeons and Dragons, All right. like, and they had imported it from America. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is the coolest thing ever, and I begged them for a game. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, um, Eventually, my dad managed to get me a copy of D&D back from America because he um, made spaceships. So he he went to America kind of periodically to kind of go and launch stuff. All right. And and I started playing. Then I was and I basically couldn't really work out the rules because the rulebook was massive and I was only little. So do you remember what it did? Do you remember what Do you remember what edition it was? Um, I think it was the original kind of AD&D. Oh, okay. 
handbook. Fair yeah, fair enough. And um, yeah, we messed up like the magic system, so we had <laughs> infinite spells, <laughs> which is like, amazing. But it completely trashed my GMing because like, the guy would just walk it's, through and just annihilate. It's a bit like that. Things. It's a bit like that old joke, Ken. Of uh, it's a bit like that old joke about Monopoly. Is that like uh, you know everyone's got a story about playing it wrong and like not using yeah. the not doing the rules. You know, it always seems to uh, no matter what game you play growing up, there's always like oh, and we played it wrong for years, but it didn't seem to matter. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because um, you know, as someone who I was born in eighty uh, seven, so I I, I kind of got into D and D obviously later in my life. But it's it's fascinating if you go through all the episodes that we've done. Um, so many people got influenced by D and D, and it's one of these things where you go, "Ah, oh, really? Is that really as true as it sounds?" And maybe they overegged the the marketing of like people who have listened, and yet all the people I've talked to. Who like started with games? It's always the go-to thing. As they start with, D- they say that like they played D and D growing up, and so it's got such a huge uh, influence. It's insane. Yeah, so. it's massive. I still remember the the smell of the books. Um, yeah, you know the pictures on the front cover and all that kind of stuff, and the crappy little illustrations inside. It's all awesome. Yeah, I still have copies like lying around somewhere. I'm pretty sure I'll never get rid of them. I know, like we'll obviously be talking about, um, you know, sort of games now, and it's obviously it's it's quite fun to kind of you know compare it from you know that them days to now. But um, just from your point of view, is you know because obviously you're working on Broken Shields and you've probably played you know more modernised role playing games. Can you see the influence that D and D had on these games? Uh, well, I mean, um, I spent like 15 years doing game dev for Rebellion. Oh yes, so, oh, I forgot the deck. Don't go I said that. Yeah. So when did that yeah, start? So like that started uh, in my early twenties. All right. Okay. Um, and as it happened, I met a girl sword fighting. So so that's how I got the job. Um, <laughs> Come on, you got to like sort of provide the context there. I met a girl. No, like, so, no, I did. Um, no, so it's kind of gaming that got me into it. So yeah, okay. I um, I met. Uh, yeah, I was doing. Reenactment, like sword fighting. Ah, I assume that's what you meant, not just like yeah. a night night out and you got sword. Not laughing, yeah. So it's like doing like, um, yeah, this just happens, you know. Like, yeah, fucking. <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, very medieval. It's illegal since the 18th century. No, yeah, no, yeah. You, you know, there's some, um, there's quite a few Americans that listen to this, and they're probably like, yeah, probably that's probably true. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not true at all. But anyway, so yeah, so we have a we, there was a Viking reenactment group, and I met this girl like through that. Alright, cool. And she was a games designer. Mm-hmm. I think one of the first, really. I mean, it wasn't really a job for like a decade. No, you were either artists or programmers for ages. Yes. Uh, so, and I pretty much got the job on the strength of, uh, no, my bullshit, really. No, so like my ability to program and my knowledge of like uh, game systems. Yes. So I've been trying to d- develop my own like role-playing game systems ever since I had D&D. I've been tweaking and like trying to define sci-fi systems and stuff. And in the end, like, like if you're if you want to go away and learn computer programming, it's great to come up with like a really basic role playing system. Yeah. Because it stats, it's just a much more fun way of, you know, learning to program than doing databases, really. Mm-hmm. You can like make characters up and like have them shoot each other and all this kind of stuff. That's much, that's way cooler. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of like got me into programming I and mean, kind of got me my first job, really, in many ways. Yeah. So, um, so what was the, the first game you ever worked on? Um, Aliens, well, um, the first few games I worked on were never released. Okay. Uh, so that happens. We've had programmers on before, that happens. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
and actually I moved pretty soon rapidly from so I, I worked as a programmer on a few games and they were mm-hmm. never released and as they were prototyping and then I moved o- over um, to being a 3D artist yeah and this was um, and basically I did a demo over the weekend in something called uh, 3D Studio uh, which was the original DOS, DOS version of 3D Studio Max okay and the boss really liked it and he'd not nobody was really doing it so um so I pretty much got the job as a 3D artist on a new pro on a new game. Yeah. And I went through and I did a load of sprite work in 3D Max. Okay. That title was then binned. me <laughs> <laughs> enough knowledge was to um, set up um, an animation department. So I then um, started talking to a bunch of friends about what would happen next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got 3D Studio Max in and then we started basing our new Aliens vs. Predator, the first big kind of PC title that we did yeah and so that was all based around 3D Studio Max and animating inside Max and that's that's what kind of got I remember that wasn't it was that, wasn't that an Atari game uh, yeah so the, the yeah the original was an Atari game yes and then uh, and then the next version which is the one I worked on was the PC game mm-hmm. which kind of got the BAFTA nomination on the other kind of yeah like, yeah the that's big heralding <laughs> that's cool and like I seem to remember Rebellion uh, were kind of known for Mainly doing like sort of um, third person shooter type, uh, first person shooter type games. Sorry, um, yes. that's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So how long did you work for them for? Did you say too long? Fifteen years. <laughs> too long. <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's like a lot of. Uh, I think everyone's sort of job if it's after like a decade go too long. That was too was too yeah. long. Right now, I needed a challenge, new challenge. Um, so I mean, because we've had people from like Ubisoft on before, and a bunch of other like you know, and some independent people, you know, who do Kickstarter games and stuff like that. Which I, I would, I'll, I'm quite intrigued to ask you later about Kickstarter because that's sort of changed uh, a lot of uh, game, the gaming industries uh, for, for, for what's happening. But um, so all in all, like, what is the what was the experience like for you? And sort of like looking back for it in hindsight, like, did you? Because uh, it it sounds like when we have people on this show that people get very like stressed about it and it is very high intense and it's long you know it's it's very labour intensive so just intrigued to know what you think. Yes, it's very 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 <laughs> very 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 labour intensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, no, I mean initially like working rebellion was some um, literally the coolest job on the planet. Yeah, and. Um, uh, so, and especially like in kind of early days, so we're like talking pre PS1. Yes. Um, so like we, we got to everything yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, um, I was smashing up melons to kind of make sound effects. Um, <laughs> we were like, initially, we we're like, we we're using puppetry as well, like old school, like Doom styles, setting up puppets. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I am a puppeteer, I actually learned that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I really like puppeteering, so yeah. Um, and like so in AVP1 we did some acting as well it was pretty mm-hmm. appalling but it was good fun <laughs> uh, but I mean I learned a lot I mean I learned a lot about filmmaking audio music yeah. you know, all kinds of stuff which I wouldn't have really done otherwise and so for me it was like kind of really helped like uh, synthesise all the stuff I'd learned prior to that yeah um, does, does it make sense for you that you know you see the video games like from that point on it's kind of nice again to sort of uh, look you know look back in hindsight and go did you think when you were making on these games that the gaming industry and like video games and the power, you know, the power that they have now and the the, the, the graphics and everything else and the processing power that it would get to the point it is now? Because they're almost like sort of mini films, wouldn't you say? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, there's so many different things in what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. We have time. Do, do yeah, yeah. So like, um, the I mean, the thing that I think so what happened in terms of the games 
for me, like, in terms of the art, because we had this kind of initial kind of, like, yes. hey, we're just a bunch of nerds and geeks hanging out, having a laugh. Indeed, yes. Um, and then um, that kind of grew and it grew and it grew. And then um, and then film got interested because we were making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And um, they went, hey, yeah, come on, we'll tell you how to do everything because we're the film industry. And we were like, we're just a bunch of nobody geeks. And we're like, oh, film is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so they come along like with their big film empires and they go like yeah this, this is going to be great we're going to tell me how to do everything and then a whole bunch of people try to follow the film industry model of how to make games and it felt flat on its face mm-hmm. um, not because film IP is not cool film IP is cool for many yeah. reasons it felt flat on its face because um, you can't make games like meant films yes. um, there's all kinds of like really holistic I'd say um, yeah. things you need to do when you design a game which you don't do when you're making film in the same way. Yeah. And having made both now, I can really sort of really see clearly the differences. Yeah. Uh, and there's this very important iterative development cycle which happens in game development. And if you, if you ignore that, then you really get into big problems. Okay. So, um, and if you're both APPs, in fact, we made the exact same problem. So we came up with these really amazing story arcs. Um, we plan them out in great detail. Um, we were really passionate about like making a really, really awesome AVP game, mm-hmm. and so we really took it very seriously. And then we went through the development cycle, and um, we've been the entire story. Yeah, because yeah. Um, it's not games are about what you do. Yes, you are the person. It's about doing. Yeah, and then films are about seeing. Yes, filming. exactly. And so that that important bit. Of information, so yeah. it took out everything, made it, made everything about what you did, and then we sort of very loosely dressed everything with um, flavour, kind of to to help um, what we now call background storytelling. So we developed then the background storytelling rather than the foreground storytelling. Yeah. Um, so, and, but we were learning about this whole process all the way through it. If you're yeah, still, yeah. Like there was no rules. Like, what, what, I don't know. What do you do? Like for like years, it was like. Um, it was, it was like, I think I was like five or ten years into the industry before somebody went, hey, you know, um, people tend to always go towards the light and when they're looking down corridors. It's like, no way! That's <laughs> amazing! <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't people making trains knew that? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the information had not filtered down to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, no. To the library to yeah. kind of get information. No, and also <laughs> what you said, just to, just to reiterate your point, is what you said, there was, there was a sentence you said there which made a lot of sense to me of the, you know, you there weren't really, you know, video game the video game industry until it became profitable, like was largely ignored or separated by the film yeah. industry. So the fact that like like you said, you were entering an era that hadn't happened yet. Like so, to work out what to do with it, you, that's the most time because it's a sort of revolutionized revolution, revolutionary thing. Sorry, is that yeah. you, you find yourself making mistakes because it's like you as you said you. Entering a new thing that hasn't happened yet, so it's bound to be that people make mistakes. That's when people make the most mistakes, is because it's the they're, they're revolutionising something. So um, makes a lot of sense. It's funny because actually Gunnar said, and I don't know whether you agree with this, being that you worked in the video game industry, but and he he has too, is that um, we 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 were joking about because during sort of that time in particular, as someone who I said I was born in eighty seven, so I was, I grew up in the sort of my first console was a Mega Drive and then it was a PlayStation 1 and then um, a PC, I was a PC person mate as well uh, for yeah, the yeah. most part so 
I went through the period of time of when it, you know, you video like um, film franchises in in games were like very rare, and if they were, you were like, oh my god, or like if you're a comic book fan like I was, because like Judge Dredd or something, yeah, you know, yeah. I would be like wanting to get them, and in Mega Drive games, you get the odd, you get the odd, you know, title that was films, but not as often as it was now. But then you got the period of time where they were just. Make a film that was a sent. That make a, a, a video game that was the film that you went to see in the pictures, and you just yeah, yeah. and it was like, well, that I'm not paying to. You're paying. You're paying for the title essentially. So we'd make jokes about like Lord of the Rings films that basically, uh, Lord of the Ring game. Sorry, that was basically just uh, an amalgamation of what the film was. So you're like, yeah. I went to see this in the pictures, and now like I don't want to. I'm I'm already immersed in it because the film immersed me in it. I don't want to be in it as well at the same time, but. Um, so now they've now came to the point of, oh, we need to make an original story. So, like, you know, I mean, um, funny you said about Alien, like Colonial Marines, for example, isn't it like sort of a separate story to the whole film? So they've got to do yeah. that to kind of make it interesting. But, um, but yeah, so no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So um, what, was your, what was your sort of favorite game you worked on, would you say, while you were there? Um, oh, there, I mean, there are a few. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really... Um, I'm really proud of AVP yes. 1, I'm really proud of AVP 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most fun I actually had um, was, um, it, I mean, it was kind of AVP 1, I think, in many ways. Um, but, I mean, the I also had a ton of fun. I think probably the most fun was on actually an obscure PSP game okay. called uh, Miami Vice, All right. uh, which is based on a TV series. Yes. And um, it, was, um, it was just a really tight, the run project mm-hmm. um, and it was it was ambitious but not overly so yeah we had a dinky little team of like um, like less I think it was like 10 people or something yeah. um, and uh, so I was like running the animation and there's a oh god his name I forget he's now in Canada um, at Ubisoft doing cool shit <laughs> and he was he was the lead artist and like and there was Kim on programming and it was like all my mates basically and we yeah. just hung out and made um oh yeah and Derma who's now at NPC doing motion capture. Oh yeah. right, no. Well yeah, so it was basically all my mates, we just hung out, we made yeah. this game, um, we put loads of little mini games in it, which I think was possibly unusual at the time, and we just had a really good time doing it. Yeah. Um and uh, it was a and I think you know, the the publisher they were kinda cool with whatever we did. Yeah, uh, and they were kind of quite relaxed about it. Again, which is about money in the end. Like, yeah. so you know, like they weren't investing that much in it. And if we did something cool, they were happy because they were going to make cash out of it. But when you're doing like a triple A title like AVP, then um, you know they're investing a ton of cash and they want to make it back and they're going to have a say. Yes, uh, and sometimes that can be a little fraught. Um, and having seen both ends of this now, like I can understand why. But basically, you've got a development team again, like. No, we can't give you a moon on a stick. Mm-hmm. And our production team going like, we're paying for it. It's not a moon on a stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have that thing. It's going to sell our game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like, yeah, I think some people, you know, because I see people criticizing certain game companies for doing that, but it is based, like you said, for even as a consumer like I am. But I have, you know, sort of interviewed people within the industry like yourself, and it seems to me that, like, it, it, it well, it, it's ob- it seems an obvious thing to say, but it is all about, like, the money that's invested, because what you describe with that PSP title sounds very similar, like, almost like an independent company within a big organization, is because you're just 
floating ideas with each other whereas yes, yes. you know if you've got more pieces in the pie as it were <laughs> you've got them all going yeah, well yeah. I'm hanging a minute I want to say but what I'm intrigued about having you as a guest is to say is there anything you remember like because you'll be pleased to know I had the first dealing versus predator mm. um, <laughs> um, is um, was there anything in the titles for let's go with Alien versus predator was there anything in there that you remember you suggesting that got into it AVP one, yeah. I sat let's, well, I sat next to the um, AI coder. Okay. And we did. We, I mean, it's a tiny team again. Like so, AVP one is much more like an indie team. Yeah. Like uh, you'd expect now. So it's like a one room team all yeah. working together at the same time. So I sat next to the AI programmer. Nice. We did all the behavior for every single creature in that game. That's cool. So like um, every you know every the way they move to like the face logo interactions all that kind of stuff um, yeah. it's kind of like if it moved I had a hand in it cool um, that's really good so to speak <laughs> yeah it's pretty yeah it's awesome you know like I said like it was like the early days of Rebellion were just awesome yeah I can imagine and so um, you mentioned be you mentioned uh, when we started that you were a huge like sort of sci-fi nerd was were you happy about being involved because were you an alien slash predator fan. Before. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's obvious. But you know, some people aren't. Like, you know, I see you be I know sci fi nerds who like have never seen Star Trek and I'm like, that's oh, I find that a bit bizarre. But um but anyway, yeah, so not, um what's the word? Um partisan about my sci fi. I've got a fairly high shit God. Um, <laughs> in fact I've just caned all of Andromeda because <laughs> it was good path to have next to me while I was doing some other things. <laughs> Is so, it Andromeda um, yeah. the um the spin off thing? Yeah, the, the um, thing with Kevin Sorbo. Rodri kind of alleged, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, he supposedly was a. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always thought it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, I, I did watch uh, it. He's in space, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's um, literally how they described it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I, I did, I did, um, yeah, no, in fact, a load of us at school were really seriously into Aliens vs. Predator and, mm-hmm. um, we watched it, um, I, I don't know, a fucking hundred times, I think, so, um, <laughs> We even had an AVP film night at school where we got dressed up as characters and kind of came in. So yeah, was, that's cool. Yeah, and um, I think yeah, and, and Jason Kingsley, like at the Rebellion, he was well into it as well. So um, we got like loads of props made and kit and armor, and you know, it was yeah, we had a good fun with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, um, uh, what, what the ultimate question? And I'm sorry to like put you on the spot, but um, Alien One or Aliens? <laughs> Which one? Oh right, no, I think that they're both very distinct, yes. you know, different movies, and I love both of them. I do too, for different reasons. But um, I've definitely seen Aliens more than I have seen Alien. I agree. That's that. That's I agree in the terms of that's the same as that. If I always, if I had to pick one to watch, I always find myself going towards Aliens. Yeah. Because, as you said, that that uh, I don't know, I don't get when people go, "Oh, they were so fundamentally different." Is in that like that was wrong? Because um, I like both of them. Because I think people didn't like. I think the main criticism was that the second one had like a hundred million aliens in, where then the the first one only had one. Which, but you know, essentially the first one was a thriller, and the other one was like an action, an action like you know, Marini, Marini. Um, yeah. uh, Film where I saw you. Truckers in the space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Update the camera and describe it. Yeah. I remember, um, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough to. I, I'm trying to remember the, this the guy's second name, but Bill, who was a, a, a model designer, he's worked on Red Dwarf and a bunch of other things. Um, he designed the um, the Nostra. What was the name of the first ship again? I'm like totally having a blank. 
Uh, there's a Nostromo. Nostromo. I almost said that, and I was like, I was questioning myself. But yeah, he he um, worked on it with um, with uh, Ridley Scott. So um, I, I Bill Pearson, I think his name is. But um, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, and I just was like, that that's. I'm just letting you know how much of a nerd I am, and that like, yeah, <laughs> I I really love. I even like model designs and stuff like that because I find that sort of stuff interesting. And I've produced cool. a few. I have helped produce a few things. So like, I guess I'm intrigued in that. Um, are you one of these people? Being that you like produce things, do so you go to like the pictures and go? I wonder how they did that. Cause that's how I. That's what I do. I'm not the best person no, to see no, in the picture. Not really. Not in, <laughs> no. I mean, if, I think if I'm going to, if I'm in a movie and I'm going, how did they make that? Um, it's probably a bad movie. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so like terrifying. my brain's just going. Good point. Maybe you're sitting there going, "How did they screw that up?" Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, um, yeah, and I can. So I've seen the scenes where I'm, yeah, I want something to do. So you know, if, if the plot's good and like I'm bouncing along with it, I'm just trying to absorb myself in that. And mm-hmm. um, I spend all day like trying to figure out how things are that I don't really want to do that when I go and see a movie. Cool. So and so, um, just to finish the thought about rebellion, then. So when did you officially leave? Uh my 40th but seven years ago okay so what's that 2009 yeah something like that yeah something 2009 2010 something mm-hmm. like that yeah so what was the last do you remember the last game you worked on yeah I mean I, I AVP3 mm-hmm. um, though I am proud of the result it was a massive 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 pain in the arse to make <laughs> um, I mean um, for many different reasons which a lot of people know that and it was just um, I just I had enough at that point Okay, yeah. that's what I was about to ask you. Just like, did you leave because of just burnout reasons? Is that kind of fair? Yeah, kind of. I think there's, a, there's quite a high, there is quite a high burnout rate in, yeah. in the industry. Um, honestly, I think it kind of needs to be unionized for everybody's benefit. I mean, yeah. including like, I think the companies would benefit if the if the gaming industry was unionized because yeah. um, it means that like it would give a because there's this, we just were, with Rebellion, we're kind of hammering the same problems again and again and again. Nothing was getting fixed. Yeah, it did actually kind of take me leaving for people to take some of the things I was flagging as seriously. Yeah, that makes and sense. So, um, and I kind of wish that hadn't happened in some sense. But like in in the end, I kind of I walked out of that job. I got a really good like um, directing job. Like the next day, oh, and, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> like. And a pack of cash doing something. Doesn't really work, does it? If you sort of walk out of a job and go, ah, oh, screw you guys, and then you're like, you've got no job, but like walking into another one still makes it easier. But um, yeah, was yeah. that just luck? Or did you, yes. or. Oh, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> it's totally, it's totally luck. <laughs> so, what do they call it? I got so, <laughs> a big helping hand. Very nice. So, yeah. what? So, can you say what this directing job was? What was it? Um, I was involved in the Crytek SOS promo. Um, for uh, SOS New York, all right, um, which was like yeah, whatever. That's 2010. So at that point, they was uh, spending a ton of cash um, to promote the next uh, Crisis game. Yes, um, which is set in New York, and and I worked with a team in London, kind of developing that project. Ah, uh, yeah, another uh, game that I own. I was actually like, I was just trying <laughs> to see if I could find my P. I was going to see if I could find my PC box because I took a bunch of stuff from my parents' house, and I'm, I've got like the the what's it the, the the edition with all them in like you get the three of them okay. but in the same box um and yeah um i think i've like went through like the first one but i i've only like a recent purchase because like you know they're like not worth much because they've not been out they've not been out in a while like i bought like the 
three of them together for a really decent price. So I've just been going through them one at a time. Um, but yeah, so that's cool. Like another game that I've heard of. But like, yeah, because I'm, I'm quite into first-person shooters. So yeah, um, I have played a ton of them. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean, like, um, so what was like? Would you say was the? I mean, obviously, the, the obvious thing is to say. Was it is it fair to say you were like coding a lot in Rebellion and sort of working on the ins and outs of it? Whereas when yeah, you say it's directing, it what happened. So like yeah. I went to Rebellion as a coder, yes, uh, and um, and I got that as a result of my degree, which had a lot of coding in it. But yes. I, I moved fairly rapidly into doing digital art, and then I never right. really looked back. Okay, but I work as a what's called a yeah, I work as a whole bunch of different things. Like, yes. but um, I quite often do like what's called a technical animation role, mm-hmm. so it involves. Um, Mostly art, mm-hmm. but with a kind of slightly mathematical bent to kind of like work out like how things link together and like what systems you need to make to make uh, a hair move or cloth bubble or yeah. whatever. Um, so I did a lot of that. So for Crytek, I did like uh, my directed, um, I, was, well, I was assistant directing essentially, I was animation directing. With another guy over he was the actual director, and he's yeah. like, like, there was, like, this is like a big money production, so they're like whole tiers of like yeah. people going up and down the chain. So like I was like there as mm-hmm. animation director, yeah. And then, but and I was also doing technical animation, which I shouldn't have been doing, but there was nobody else who could do it at the time. So, <laughs> um, so I was also like writing a facial animation system and like coding, like trying to get Max and the Crytek engine to talk to each other because uh, yeah. at that time they weren't talking to each other at all. <laughs> it was a big pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, so I basically kind of went out, well, out of one burnout and into another one. Okay. <laughs> but um, I got much better paid for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and that always, that always changes one's opinion. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, no, that made me much happier. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then I went on holiday and then and after that I had a massive break for like three months, I think, maybe maybe more and I just slept. <laughs> I can imagine, like, yeah. Three months. God, yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I don't think people realise, and I, I mean, I've only ever done any like freelance producing, but so like very labour intensive, but maybe a week at a time or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just insane. So the idea of like doing it over a long period of time, I just don't know how people can manage to do it because essentially it's like you're on autopilot a lot of the time, and just yeah, they're just the days just are you do it as long as until it's done, um, yeah. which is quite you know difficult for people outside of certain industries to sort of understand because um it isn't a nine to five job it's a nine till whenever it finishes <laughs> or <laughs> kind like of thing. eight or till seven yeah till exactly seven. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, yeah or in some cases like you stay overnight to finish things and all that kind of stuff and um it's it's insane so yeah um yeah i totally understand that so um so how long were you working on the crisis game for then and like right, so yeah i was just doing the the video for the crisis game okay. and i worked on it for um Actually, I can't remember. I think it was like a month or two. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then they weren't finished, which is a kind of big problem. So I'd arranged to go on a holiday, which um, I promised my girlfriend I would do without fail. So I did, uh-huh. and then they sacked me. All oh, right, <laughs> that makes but, sense. Yeah, fair enough. Really. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bit harsh at the time, but like I'm, I was kind of like Ugh, really not my girlfriend, and it was kind of a big deal at the time for it to go away. So, yeah. and that was kind of also why the why I'd quit Rebellion. Because I needed to make boundaries on my life. Yeah. And rebellion had just been kind of like overriding that all the time. And I was yeah, like, right, yeah. I'm going to freelance that. I need to be able to walk away. So, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. walked away from the project at that point. Yeah, I mean, um, that's, yeah, where I worked uh, for a while as a youth worker, and the same thing happened where I had joined 
on a freelance contract where I basically said, I'm just going to work this amount of time so I can do other things. And then I'm because I'm very much like, and I love doing it, I did it for a long time, and I was just finding myself going... You, you, I'm just using this as an example because I'm sure other people listening to this understand this, is that if you're in that situation and you love what you do, you find yourself going saying yes to things that you maybe wouldn't in other areas because yeah, you're yeah. just like, oh, I want to help out. And like, and they do the whole sob story of like, you're the only one that can do it and all this kind of thing. And then you find yourself, you know, doubling the amount of time you should be doing work in there. And then, you know, I started this business at the same time. Um, and I just, I was working crazy amount of hours and like, yeah. And as you say, you lose like your social life and your personal life and your private life and, and um, it, it becomes too much and so yeah you do literally when you said the whole three month thing I think I took like six months afterwards because I was just right, uh, yeah. when I eventually went I'm not doing this youth work thing anymore um, <laughs> and I, I'm like because it's um, you know my girlfriend's going through the same thing right now is that she loves she loves her job but she um, she hates the like bureaucracy around it because they just go like they've added an hour to our shifts basically um, with the idea they're not going to pay out this extra hour they're just like it's the Christmas period so we, we expect you to work another hour and it's this whole thing of that you can't really feel like you know you don't want to make a problem out of it because you, you're you in the situation like you said where oh they might just go well we'll get someone else then uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's strictly speaking um, is, she, is she on a zero hours contract nope but that's no. what everybody says. <laughs> Every yeah. time I tell that story to people, they're always like, "Is she on zero hours contract?" No, but um, it it makes. But you're right to assume. You're right to make it. It sounds like that, but it actually isn't. Um, yeah, I mean, um, this is kind of like kind of an illustration of the problem. Really, it's like yeah, she shouldn't have to do that. At the no. end. Exactly, yeah. and like you know, I, I, as someone who cares, obviously, I'm going. You should just leave. Um, you should just leave. You because uh, I said, did you sign a contract? They give you a certain number of hours, and like I'm assuming you're in the same position, and they always try and you know expand that time, even though legally they can't make you stay. But um, but it's a tough, tough situation. And the yeah, thing yeah. is, I mean, if you love if you love what you do, and like you need to put because like you know with AVP three, yes. it was like really it was we were struggling all the way through the project, and if yeah. and if a lot of people hadn't put a load of love and extra hours into it, you know, it just wouldn't have you wouldn't have you wouldn't have being published at the end. Yes. So, um, and I and I can well and for us, I think that me that would have been worse at the time. You know, yeah. To put this effort in and then have it fail right at the end. Nobody yeah. wants that. And I certainly, and I, I love what I do, so I never wanted that had to happen. Yeah. Um, and certainly in the case of Crytek, I'd already been like, I've been working twelve hour days for like every day for two months. Mm-hmm. So like it, by the time I really needed that holiday because my yeah. brain was beginning to melt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm not laughing out of like I know. I obviously want you yeah. to be okay. I just I'm laughing because I I'm like going. I so remember that time. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and when you're, if you're directing people as well, you need to be yeah. like, hey, it's cool. Everything's fine. And yeah. I, I can feel that my um, my temper is fraying. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it's not cool to do that. Like, no. so well, it's because you're essentially sleep, sleep deprived and and everything yeah, else, yeah. and so you yeah, you end up um, having like a short fuse, and like you go from, and it's not that you're like not a nice person. It's just that um, you you're struggling to sort of deal with everything that's being thrown at you. So, yeah, yeah. um, so it's a t- it's tough. So um, so yeah, I mean, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear that that happened that way, but like, I mean, I guess so to put a positive spin on it. So like, what happened? You obviously went away with your girlfriend. Like, so what? What was your mindset during that time? What do you have any idea what you're planning on doing? Or was it just like, oh, there's oh, an open canvas? <laughs> no, no, yeah, literally, I, I think I walked out of rebellion with no plan. So yes. if, if these guys hadn't picked me up, I don't quite know what I've done. At the time, I was planning to get into iPhone development. So okay. 
I've been buying loads of books and I've been kind of reading up on how to do iPhone games. And yeah. it was kind of by fluke um, that I ended up doing this um, sort of uh, short film with these guys. Okay. Uh, which And it was a very cool project and it looked awesome. Yeah. Um, and again, like, I'm very proud of the results that we got. Um, and mm-hmm. um, so after that, yeah, no, I had no idea what to do next, really, to be honest. I think I, I kind of went away with my girlfriend, and we had this, like, nice house in um, in the mountains in Spain. Nice. Uh, we actually arrived in, I think it was the worst weather in 50 years, so it was, it was totally raining all the time, but it was... <laughs> we had fire going, and it was cosy. <laughs> was that a sign? Do you take that as a sign? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> doing it wrong. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny that makes me I don't know why that made me giggle it really did that's just great it was, like, funny, yeah. it was a weird time yeah. well uh, it's just, I just love the idea of you just going right we're going to go away and have the hot weather and stuff like that yeah. and, like, and then you just see like in the news worst weather in 50 years and you're like yeah. why at the time that we go <laughs> this happens yeah hilarious but um, that always seems to be the case it's just like I used to make this joke of like because a lot of the stuff a lot of like the work that I do currently is very much like you know on my computer I can stay at home and do majority of the stuff so I always make the joke of whenever I leave and it starts raining I'll make the joke of it's because God's aware that I'm leaving my house there so (laughs) (laughs) So he's just punishing if my computer crashes I think the same thing (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah we do the um, we're, we're, I play um, uh, so, uh, a couple of MMOs with some friends, and we make right, the joke. Yeah. We make the joke all the time. If, if someone's can't log on or whatever, we blame the tech goblins. That's our new yeah. word for it. We go, "Oh, you've angered the tech goblins. That's why they won't let you on." Because uh, yeah. always somebody can't log in, or their internet's not working, or something like that. So it's very funny. But um, so, so what? Um, what was the next opportunity you got after that period of time then? It's a bit blurry, okay. um, but um, I when I was at Rebellion, um, Jason uh, commissioned. Oh, okay, basically, Jason's a massive film lover, and he's okay. a quiet character in many ways. Yeah. So he he wanted. He, and again, uh, remember Aliens? He's a massive, massive Aliens fan. Uh, just so to he, reiterate for people who don't know Rebellion, are you t- referring to Jason who founded Jason the Kingsley? Yeah. yeah. So you got the Kingsley brothers, Jason yes. and Chris Kingsley, who founded Rebellion way yeah. back, way, way, way back when, like yes. sort of like um, handheld days. And yeah. um, I kind of think they made a game together in their bedroom called Blade Warrior, which did quite well. And um, and they kind of went on from there, um, and um, anyway, cut to uh, so they're massive aliens fan, and Jason really wants to make movies, um, and so he got involved with this guy called Andrew Pentecost, who mm-hmm. is like kind of all over the world doing reading and dealing, making films now, and um, he Jason he got Jason sorry he got um, Andrew Pentecost to kind of direct this movie called. Parasite. Okay. Um, which is um, a hideous movie, but a great achievement, I have to say. Tell us what you really think, Ten. I mean, uh... <laughs> no, it, is, it was voted the best APRE pub movie by, like, um, some men's magazine or something. And that's, that's cool. kind of where it sits, really. Um, it was made something, something called the American Film Market, and they do a truckload of these kind of big, um, cheap monster movie films yeah. which you just kind of get drunk and watch yeah and did you um, um, just to clarify like because we I, I see this I, I mention this film all the time I'm trying to get my girlfriend to watch it is because um, I saw it at my cousin's house 
um, who, they have a play. They're from like the, um, my cousin married a person in Hitchin, so we went down and uh, they had to go to work. So me and my cousin sat and watched like the Sci-Fi Channel make all these bunch of um, like uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus is what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Um, and I think that is the that I always go to that as like the funniest shit film. In that you shouldn't like it, but you love it because it's so yeah. bad. It's brilliant. So is it on the is it on that level of that level yeah, of greatness? Kind of, yeah, I mean it took it. So basically, like it was a remake of Aliens, um, okay. where a bunch of people stuck on an oil rig and they're attacked by giant killer slugs. That's all you need to know. That's so you don't need to know any more than no. that. Well, it's like when everyone says to me, "So describe Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus." Well, a Mega Shark <laughs> and a Giant Octopus are in a block of ice. And because of global warming, it thawed, and they continue their fight from thousands of years ago, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, no, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's brilliant. And then you, you explain that, and you expect, you know, when you describe a film, especially in modern times, and you go, you have to like give a, a synopsis of what it's about or whatever. Is everyone I've ever explained that to you go, that sounds awesome, like let's go and see yeah. it. Like, um, that's all you need to know. So. So yeah, remake of Alien. Like already by you saying that, you you did anyone go? Are you crazy? <laughs> so. many, many people, in fact, went. We are crazy. We were told it couldn't be made. Um, yes. And then to be honest, like, uh, yeah, if anybody like can get a film with a beginning, middle, and end and finish it, like I totally respect them. Yeah, not totally. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a massive. Uh, like, oh, so much wheeling and dealing was done to make that film finish, um, and. Um, uh, again, like it was kind of like film school on steroids for us. <laughs> so a lot of the guys are fresh out of film school, and um, I never really done anything like this before. And originally they were going to do. So my my entry into this whole thing was that originally they were going to do a whole thing with models and puppets, mm-hmm. and um, uh, they had no money, of course, um, and so they made um, glove puckets for the parasites. Okay. Um, fortunately, the scary monsters looked rather like Muppets. Okay. <laughs> so they were like, <laughs> yeah. didn't have the dramatic effect that they really after. Okay. Uh, and I previously suggested that we could do it digitally. And um, and I did a demo with um, some, like, like, a fairly... It wasn't a, that sophisticated, but it looked really cool and everybody was really impressed. So um, we then moved all all the creature work over, pretty much all the creature work over to puppetry, and then sort of expanded the project. And we ended up doing like a digital digital oil rig and all kinds of other stuff and um, digital set replacement. And that was kind of my my intro to doing that sort of thing. And then I spent so I spent six months basically by myself doing visual effects of that film. And then we got a little team of three together to kind of crunch to um, uh, finish it. (laughs) Um, um, let's see. So the the animator went off to NPC, and the compositor. I think he's now like um, head of compositing at ILM and did Star Wars. So okay. yeah, we have cool people go through. Rebellion's got an amazing record for like tracking like really cool people who then leave. Yeah, <laughs> which is a bit shame, really. But, yeah, so, which, so, uh, so what did you say the name of this one was? Because I'm really intrigued. Parasite. Okay. Parasite. What what yeah. year did you do it? What year? Yeah. I think uh, 97? Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to find... I'm like, I'm so intrigued now, I'm trying to find it, but is it like, is it a thing that does, you can't even find it on, on, the, on the internet? Oh, no, I'm pretty sure it's around. I'm pretty sure it's like late night sci-fi channel path. Um, okay. 
I'm sure I can I find it. I pick it up for like three pounds. Because uh. <laughs> I'm so intrigued now. Because I remember the um, the first thing that came up, which made me giggle. Because I was like, Google. I was like, so I never usually do this when I'm doing the show, but I'm like, I'm so intrigued. I want to find it. But um, uh, and I I found the '82 um, version of Parasite, which uh, I seem to remember because it was Debbie with Debbie Demi Moore, oh. and it was absolutely awful. Um, but um, that was just so that was intriguing me. But anyway, I'm sure yeah, so the Debbie Moore one. Yeah, that's not it. That, yeah, that's yeah. Not actually, mean like a movie. <laughs> well, yeah. When I saw it was like 1982, I was thinking, I don't think he means that one. Um, but because um, I was just suddenly like, I've heard of that one. But uh, yeah, okay, so there's um oh yeah here he is. Um, 2004 okay. on Amazon DVD, three pounds bargain. Oh, yeah, was it? So was it on IMDb? It's called There's Parasite. Yeah, an abandoned oil rig. Yeah, in the middle of the North Sea. Yeah, it's on. Uh, okay, I found it on IMDb. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, sure. Okay, I'm gonna make sure like people uh, get to see this, but it's funny. So yeah, yeah. and obviously people listen yeah, to this now. Yeah. Just type it in, and you'll find it on IMDb. But um, that's brilliant. Yeah. I'm not sure if like anybody should see this, or I should ever admit to being part of this one. But like, but I think again, like those who know like what's required to finish a movie, and and we shot it on like 35 millimeter as well, and like, um, and uh, and at the time, like a lot of people were like seriously impressed that we got it finished at all. <laughs> Like, so, like, we were, like, t- delivering the rushes, and, like, the guys were like, how are you managing to do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> crazy. It's amazing yeah. what you can, uh, it's amazing what you can achieve if you just say, this is the budget, and you just do, like, you ask so many people for, like, favours, and, you know, how do yeah. we, how do we cook, how, it's like, because, you know, like, as you, you'll know this, if you, I, I assume, about Rebellion, when it got, you know, mainstream, you know, doing big budget games is that you find yourself going you they, they, they'll just throw more money at it instead of like uh, for the most part it's they can if it's a you've got a big publisher and stuff it's all they'll put more money in to solve problems whereas if you're on a budgeted game you go you basically go okay it, it's, it's almost allows you to cut corners as long well, without by trying not to sacrifice the quality too much so i imagine it, is it fair to say in that in that film you just like let's cut every corner in in order to get it finished? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, um, like there's, uh, yeah, like I could go back to what you said later, maybe, but like, yeah, no. In this, um, the problem with it, the problem what happened is we had cut loads of corners and we ended up something with something that's too short. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, and and that was a problem actually. So we, what happened was later we went back to the location. We had to do another like half hours worth of story just uh, to actually yeah, yeah. get something that could be solved. Okay. Um, but um, in the process of doing like quite a big resuit, um, we were able to kind of rejig the story into something that actually was a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it has a is much better as a result. Um, like yeah. it actually sort of makes sense. Like yeah, really yeah. to end. Um, uh, yeah, so, but, uh, well, I was trying to remember, yeah, so, I mean, I guess it, it just took a long time to post, really. I mean, that's what the big piss chasing off, I think, most of the world is still being done. Why haven't you finished yet? Because it's a load of visual effects and it's just me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it would have took an absolute shit ton of time, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, so, yeah, it's, it, this is the thing of the, because, would you agree on the principle, because I remember reading an article about this, and it intrigued me, and I've seen actors say the same thing, is that the reason that, like, television series have become so, like, you know, big-budgeted, and, the, and and that's where the sort of money is, and they're getting the, the, the sort of A-list 
actors to be part of television series now is because the sort of independent films that you saw, at least when I was growing up or even earlier, all the independent films that were made for maybe a couple of million pounds just doesn't exist anymore and they're all now done in television series. Do you agree with that principle? No. Okay. <laughs> Tell me I why. I think so. I don't think I know necessary enough to be quite as definite as I just was. Um, okay. So, um, no, because, uh, so, where I work now, to kind of finish yeah. off the story, is, like, That's so cool, the guy yeah. who was, um, the, yeah, so I'll get back to your question, so the guy who was um, the physical effects director, who actually, like, orchestrated all the property and all the physical effects, he now runs a company called Lexhag, and so after I finished with Crytek and I had my, kind of, three-month sleep period, uh, I went to work for him, and, yeah, we'd all met... <laughs> That's him now. That, that's them now going. We're, built, we're making a parasite too. <laughs> we need you. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is about another job, and I will have to text them just really. Um, that's all right. So the uh, but yeah. So we make so what what we do at Lexag is we make like kind of basically high budget drama, okay, and low budget, um, mostly horror films. In fact, all right. So we do visual effects for that, and they both they both rock in. Now what's interesting is they both rock in at about the same budget. Ah. So big, high-energy kind of period drama like Poldark, Dickensian, all these kind of big BBC costume dramas, they all rock in at about the same budget as a, a low-budget film. Yeah. So, um, and to be, I feel like, um, um, on something like Shoot Me for this, it's, it's not really about, um, you know, the indie film market as such. It's just about more about the, Big industry film market, as yeah. such, is like so. The big in, the big money now is in these long dramas, yeah, um, like these twenty episode stuff that gets then gets exactly, like. Yeah. Um, so you need was it a hundred episodes? So if you get a hundred episodes, you can then um, sell your um, series onto kind of endless reruns, basically yeah, syndication. syndicated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so that's like quite a big deal. And once you get something syndicated, that's that's kind of money tracking stuff. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think for um, like film, you're basically relying kind of merchandising and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally different ballgame. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's it's more about people's viewing habits now. Is that people are tending to watch like these big kind of awesome HBO series? Yeah. Rather than and. Uh, rather than engaging the normal kind of terrestrial television stuff, I think that's um, just the, the point I was make the the point I was getting to, and you, that is kind of what I, 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 how I meant it was that it, the the it's because of just the it used used to be able to send you there was the but there was the potential, and we've had people on this show, and um, for example, who have managed to get a sort of like independent film made, but the downside it, and like getting I mean, as in get a, a worldwide release so you can see it in the yeah, pictures, yeah. even if it's limited release. And the the downside of it now, it, I guess, is because the big budget blockbusters that you see are like you know some of them are upwards of like two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Um, so it never used to be like that um, when I was growing up, and, and the the levels got so high now with the amount that they spend, that the sort of bare minimum amount of money you probably need to spend is far higher than it ever was to make okay, sort of it. Yeah, and, that and, is true. So they're, they're actually, game. But it's slightly different from that. So what there is is this kind of middle dead ground. Yes, that's so what I was trying you've to got, Yeah, you've got everything up to about like a million, I think it yes. is. Like there's an engine for kind of marketing that kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, and then there's this kind of dead period up to, I yeah. don't know what it is, but I suspect it might be like 50 million. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. And there's nothing to market that stuff yeah. in between. 
So if you want to make an indie film, a proper indie film, it needs to be about a million-ish mark. Yes. And if you try to make something for like two million, then you're it's going to be nobody knows what to do with it really. So yeah. yeah, so it does limit. Yeah, like, like the gaps a lot wider. That's essentially what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, because yeah. um, we had, um, for example, Mark Steer who made a, a, a film called Robot Overlord, was and he wrote it. Right. Um, and he was telling us, like, you know, um, <laughs> basically to, I mean, obviously I encourage people to listen to that episode if they haven't, but um, he basically told us, because um, I, I remember getting a copy of it, and because um, I have to say I never heard of it until I actually met him at a convention, and um, he said only when Ben Kinsley got on board did they have the money to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Ben Kinsley had uh, decided to be in it, and they had Gillian Anderson, obviously from X-Files, but she hadn't done anything in that in a while. But it was when Ben Kinsley said he would do it and be the villain in it that they suddenly um, got a got a studio that was willing to put up the rest of the money, because he basically, I think the minimum they could do it for, I think, was something like, you know, don't quote me on this, but I'm sure he might have said a figure, but it was, you know, probably 10 million upwards, yeah. um, just to get it to the stage where you can at least release it in the UK. So um, it, it's insane now how much it costs to, to get something done, but um, it was good for what it was. But um, it, but yeah, I, that, that's interesting because yeah, I, I seem to think that's the way it's headed. And so all that sort of middle ground money is being is being churned into television series now, which is interesting yeah. um, because it never used to be like that. Um, but yeah, no, it's interesting. So in terms of like, I mean, what interested me about you saying what you're working on now is um, is there any names? Any names of series you can mention that you worked on? Like, because you said BBC as an example. Is, are these for BBC or something else? Um, so, yeah. The, so for the I've dramas two, I'm on about. Two things I'm running on right at the moment. So yeah. I'm, like, part-time at Lexhang, and I do, yes. like, 3D supervision work with them. Yes. And so the we've just finished on no, something I can't say what it is. That's fine. Big second world war drama for the BBC. Fair enough. Um, and... For that, I was working on uh, Poldark. Um, ah, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. and we're just about to start. We'll start um, working on series three beginning next year. Very cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what I've been. That's what I've been doing with them. I've also I'm also working with a local company called Audio Motion. They do motion capture. Yep. And they do motion capture for all the big movies. And so I just big, did a big stint with them. Uh, at um, Warner Brothers All right. uh, on a massive <laughs> beast of a movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, uh, you mean beast as in just the epicness, not the uh, an actual like it's, beast? Yeah, it's probably the most expensive piece of tech I've ever walked onto stage yeah. with. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, like, considering we're on that, because I do find that, you know, sort of interesting, because would you, you know, the, the I, I guess whenever anyone names Motion Casper, Motion Capture, sorry, there'll be people who are listening to this who will probably think of the name, like, Andy Serkis, because, like, they, he sort of, you know, from that sort of point of view, that it, I just wanted to ask you in relation to the level that it's reached in terms of motion capture, like, you know, it's, it's insane, isn't it, the, the, the level of detail that it's led to, um, where people can sort of, you know, Andy Serkis can get paid to basically just do motion capture, and it's, it's almost, he's just as valuable as an actor that you see on screen, if you see what I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> with, some, with some caveats. I mean, the Andy Serkis <laughs> thing is like, um... I mean, like, you know, his work in, in The Hobbit is amazing, and, and yeah. he, like, he deserves all the credit that he's got for it. Yeah. Um, he did go, in my opinion, a little bit too far in trying, in trying to promote his business in the end, like, yeah. you know, which is uh, Andy Serkis. 
So, and, and he really did sort of like, sort of deny the amount of effort that goes into, um, yeah, taking yeah. the reference and then turning it into an actual animation on, yes. on, on those characters. That's a fair point, yes. Um, and so it's like, there's a massive amount of work that goes into, um, getting it to the screen, essentially. Yeah, getting it to yeah. the screen. Yeah. And, and having, so like, I, I've been working as a mocap director and performer actually as well, like, okay. in, in the base of Rogue Rebellion, so, like a lot of the marine animations in both in AVP3 and me. All right, uh, that's so, really cool. Uh, and um, is that true? Oh, let's see where you are. <laughs> no, PS3 games. Yeah, no, some of it was me. Yeah, we also get this guy um, Clive Spandon. Actually, he did a lot of work for AVP as marine, um, who is genuinely awesome, and he's now in the Vikings. All right, um, yeah. Um, and that's so cool. it actually. Um, anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> so I guess what the, what's interesting about like um, motion capture is um, it is amazing the detail that you can capture. And like, yeah. so the audio motion make a, a massive deal out of like making sure that they get like perfect representation of like the actor's performance at 100 frames a second. Yes, um, and they do a sterling job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, what happens at most games companies is they take all that data and trash the crap out of it. <laughs> Um, so um, makes sense. Like, so um, uh, for a variety of reasons, um, and and some of it is uh, a, and some of it is basically about pace. Yeah. So um, so like so what will happen is like you'll get this um, like amazing piece of stunt work, mm-hmm. and you'll put it in and like the uh, the stunt guy will put an amazing amount of effort to it, and you'll stick it into the game. And it will look slow, yeah. Because the pace of first-person shooters are like super fast. Yes. So then, what you do is you can speed up the animation because otherwise, what happens is you press the button and nothing happens. Not just pisses the player off. Yeah, yeah. So you want to press the button and something needs to happen now. Yeah. Uh, so you go in and you, you speed up all the animation, and then it looks like um, Benny Hill. Benny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hill, yeah. Very yeah. <laughs> set, right? So, um, so then the artist, what you do is you. Um, what you have to do is you have to take all the imperfections out of that motion. Yep. Because um, every single time there's an imperfection, every time you like jolt left and you should have jolted right, yep. uh, you get these tiny little momentum changes. And if you can go and destroy all of those, mm-hmm. uh, what you get is this very slick, smooth um, motion. And, and you get this very... It looks effortless. Yes. And that's... And you go from like... Um, what might be uh, like a very good, you know, stuntman, uh, you know, seriously professional. And you go from that to... Basically, we p- people we can't afford, like <laughs> do like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that kind of level yes. of like kind of fluidity and expertise. Yeah. So by doing this, t- taking some of this motion and smoothing out all the kind of the noise in it, you get mm-hmm. this super fluid motion. And then, so that's what we did for ages at Rebellions. We take and, take it and then trash it. And then then also what happened is we, you, you end up using it for timing. Yeah. Um, and then so I've like there's one girl I was talking to about this kind of thing, and she said like. Um, she took basically somebody just jumping up and down, and she was doing animations for um, DJ Hero. All right, yeah. She literally, just trashed the entire animation, and she took like a jumping up and down animation. Like the guy jumped up and did the splits onto a table, and then whilst doing his DJ, it's like his DJ special move. Okay. Uh, but and all she took from that was really the sense of gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in, in the end a good animator is going to like will take a reference for like um, sort of shape and tempo and gravity and, and then can do work wonders with it yeah. um, 
and that is still still there in modern computer games or um, modern film. Yes. The, the kind of it's, it's animated, like in Disney, they call in Pixar they call animators performers. Yes. You know, they really are. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It is. I mean, that's a great example. Um, you know, people essentially use Pixar to say that they've made an actual art form that never really existed. Um, yeah. You know, it's like it's a, it's now a viable you know industry and like yeah, is it. Um, that's why I always love like when Tom Hanks talks about Toy Story and they go, oh, it must be great that you get to be in Toy Story. And he says, I literally go and read lines. That's yeah. literally my job. He's like, he, he's like, I act in the other films. Give me, you can maybe give me some credit in that. But basically, I know I have to say lines maybe a hundred times, but they take them lines and make them what they are. And like, so the people that work at Pixar deserve all the credit in the world. Mm. Um, I just, they, they make me look amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. and I'm like, I, I like them for saying that because as you say, sometimes when you see just the finished product in things, you don't see the level the amount of like you know levels it's had to reach before it gets to what you see on screen. So yeah, sometimes yeah. people as consumers don't really realize like the the amount of processes that it goes through for it to be good, as good as what they want it to be. Um, yeah. So like um, I mean, think I think as good as and you know you talked about how they didn't find money until they um, got Ben Kingsley involved. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So like I mean they need Ben Kingsley to go like say Ben Kingsley is involved in this film. You know what you're yeah. going to get this movie the pitch, yeah. it's a big Kingsley movie like you know you'll get this and it's, it's kind of the same with all these animated adventures as well it's like Tom Hanks yeah. is in this movie you know you can get Tom Hanks and to some extent you do um, and there's something particular about animating with a voice mm. that's really good you can you get a sort of feel for the motion that goes along yeah, with the it character and, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it does massively yeah. influence well, it creates the animation it's almost like subconsciously like it yeah. eats you and you know what's going to happen yeah 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 no, no, I totally get it. Like, I mean, a great example of that is um, I still think one of the greatest sort of performance animation-wise was Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin. Because yeah. just the amount of level of, like, he just threw so many improvised stuff in. The animators were like, we've got almost too much, uh, too much, like, lines to play with. But the fact that, like, they had all that ready and available is that they basically figured out what the genie was like and what he was yeah. going to be. Um, you can't do that if you've got, like, a voice actor that doesn't put the, um, that doesn't put some emphasis in things or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it makes it makes total sense. So, um, so I guess like you know, uh, what I find interesting about your transition from you know doing the code and stuff, which is a lot more like tech, I guess like labor intensive and technical and like a little bit of everything to what you're doing sort of now. Um, is it is it like does it feel good that it's different from your point of view with the stuff that you're doing now? Um, I guess I'm asking if do you feel happy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very happy with what I do now. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, um, I pretty much. Yeah, things are going pretty well right now. I mean, mm. I've got like I'm, because I'm freelancing, my my income is like woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. I hear, um, I hear, I hear, brother. I hear. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, it's fast or famine, as they say. Yes. Um, so no, that's not right, is it? No, yeah, <laughs> feast or famine. Feast or famine, yes. Feast or famine. Um, so that's cool. Um, I think I and ultimately I left I left doing games because because um, I got tired of these big long development cycles. Yes. Um, and you know, and I think so. Like EVP, I can't remember. It was, it was just too long to spend working on one project. Yes. And um, so now working in sort of TV and doing these kind of weird little freelance gigs. Um, that's a lot more variety and yeah. a lot less time just like being in front of 
in an office behind my desk. Yeah. Um, you, you so can have a period. The, great, the, the, the huge advantage, whenever I get asked about doing freelance stuff, the huge advantage is it might be sort of labour-intensive, but it's over like a small period of time, and then you have the opportunity to actually do some downtime. Um, yeah. So even if you, you start reaching the level of where you're like, my brain's starting to fry, but then you're like, okay, I've now got time off and I can figure out what I'm doing next, and like that's, yeah. that's really nice. Um, that's the huge plus about doing freelancing from my point of view. Um, well, I would say that my my kind of it doesn't feel like my job has changed. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing I'm doing lots of different things for different people. Yeah, but like um, me as a person, like um, like uh, the I play guitar. All um, right, cool. So do uh, I. <laughs> and I got pretty good at that. And, yeah. Uh, the. You know, I still, I did a lot of martial arts, I did, like, programming, I did animation, I did, like, modelling, and, and I did compositing at quite a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so for me, like, it's about, like, um, I think I, I, I want to be a renaissance man in the kind of old <laughs> sense of the yeah. word, yeah, so I want to master all these different things and yeah, kind, yeah. Of be kind of wise in as many areas as I can. So I kind of try and bring that to kind of whatever area I get into, really. So Exactly, yeah. Um, which is what I liked about the early days of computer games is you needed like a quite broad spectrum of knowledge to come yeah, yeah. into stuff. Um, no, no, totally, yeah. yeah. So, so the next thing probably what I will do now, and I just like, um, which is why I bought this new PC for, is to do VR because I think that's right. where. Yeah, um, that's, that's kind of cool. That's the early day, the slightly early days of games again. So like, yeah. nobody knows what we're doing with it. Like everybody's kind of mucking about. There are yeah. new rules. We're making rules as we go along. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's really, you know, awesome and exciting for somebody like me. So, mm-hmm. I can bring, like, everything I know about motion, everything I know about, like, storytelling, everything I know about, I know about kind of, like, interacting with the world to make a story, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. That's cool. I think we've uh, touched a great deal on that. And I just wanted to ask you, like, because you touched on something that intrigued me, because it is something that, you know, I have apps and various other things. You mentioned you're sort of interested in getting into the iPhone gaming market like is that something that you're thinking about pursuing no okay no i'm <laughs> too way way too little. if i'd actually got involved when i meant to get involved it would yeah. have been cool yes and i could have grown with the market yeah uh, so i when i was getting wanted to get involved uh, it was kind of like the iPoint stage yeah. of the iPhone game. That's yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. Yeah, all you had to do was like kind of code something, try and get it out there, and then they would get some exposure. And um, now, like, uh, it's, just, it's virtually impossible to get seen. Yes. Even if you're very good. Mm-hmm. And um, so... Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's, it's saturated now. To, in yeah, a, yeah, in yeah. A and it's saturated with a lot of crap as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not... I'm much more into kind of like cross-platform development stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, great. Yeah, um, that's good to hear. And, uh, so, and I, and so, but for VR, I guess like it feels like we're at the kind of eye point stage. Like, mm-hmm. um, it feels like if you've got something cool and it's good, you can put something together um, and you can learn quickly about what's basically a totally new experience, mm-hmm. then you, you might get, you've got a chance of kind of getting exposure. Yeah. Um, but if I if I wait too long again, then if, you know, in a couple of years' time, then everybody will be doing it. So yeah, yeah. And then I'll be late to the party again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, can we just because uh, uh, I, I mean I know this may be a, like a very complicated answer, but I often get you know people asking this, and I don't know, being not a programmer or anything like that. Like, how realistically difficult is it to have a game that works for every console and platform? 
Like, is it it's really a, difficult? It's a truckload easier than it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I think... So, yeah, you got if you go for, like, Unity or you go for Game Maker, mm-hmm. for example, um, they have, like, uh, methods for cross, cross-platform distribution. Yes. Um, you just have to be careful about uh, your your asset creation. So, like, you know, if you've got... Uh, whatever, 10,000 polygon character running around with like full DXX 11 tessellation deformation and shit going on. Yeah. That ain't gonna run on your iPhone. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like, so, so in a basic sense for people who don't understand that lingo, it's just that the, you basically have to manipulate it and change it to fit whatever platform you want it to yeah, work yeah. on. So that's the, where the work comes in because it might not necessarily, you know, you can't just take a game and just port it to something exactly. yeah, yeah yeah you have to kind of go from the outset I'm going to define a game which is going to be like cross platform across all this kind of stuff so yeah. um uh, yeah so if you're going to say you're going to do like I'm going to do a toony game it's mm-hmm. going to be turn based um, then you can you can probably do that and you can do it cross platform across pretty much everything yeah um if you're going to do like something like AAA shooter wise then well you hell you know it's not going to become a iPhone no matter what you do yeah yeah Exactly. Um, I mean, because that's why, like, for example, like, you can play Hearthstone on pretty much anything, and that's because it's yeah. just a card turn-based game. And so I often say to people that I never knew that because I'm not well-versed in it, but my assumption was that because of the the base level of how of what it is, it's not like it... I mean, it is animated to a, a little bit, but it's not... There's not a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, relatively speaking, like, animation-wise and that, so you can kind of, you know, get away with it in that sense and just basically make sure it fits the screen and your pixel are okay and stuff like that and it makes a lot of sense but um but yeah no cool i'm glad you thank you for answering that because that's one of the things i often get asked and i don't know how to answer it (laughs) so thank you for explaining um so i must mention because uh i I want you to have a chance to answer the same question is um obviously i'm like i touched on at the beginning of the podcast um i got to know about ken and uh got uh, suggested that he come on the show because the gunner who i um uh, interviewed slash chatted to um, about 10 days ago I think or a week ago uh, as, of th- as of this recording and so I asked him about working with you so from your point of view working with Gunnar like how's that been since and when did that start when did you decide to work together from your point of view um, I think I mean I've been playing Broken Shield for a bit yes um, and um I don't think there was, like, an obvious transition. Yeah. I think that I mentioned it, yeah, hey, we should do some art, like, like that, and kind of don't think either of us are that serious about it. Yeah, um, I think that's what he said. I think he said he's, like, sat there and went, we should do something together, and he just never, never yeah, had yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, so. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, like I said, so recently, um, yeah, I just kind of, I needed something to kind of focus, um, like, a particular art style, so... That, so um, I'm interested, really interested in like tune traders, like so how to make 3D art look like it's cartoony. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I love Miyazaki, but I can't draw that well. <laughs> so, um, so I have to kind of right. admit, like play to my strengths. So, yeah. um, so what, what working with, um, uh, but I still draw, right? So I still yeah. draw every day, um, and even though like I spend a lot of time coding and doing 3D, like drawing is like a massive core cool skill. So I draw yeah. every day, like for at least ten minutes, if not yeah. an hour. Okay. Uh, and so, 
And I was thinking, yeah, I'm getting okay at this. Yeah. I can make do some cartoons. <laughs> yeah, like, so, <laughs> so uh, I had a chat with Gunnar about it. Like, yeah, like, like, if I'm doing this anyway, yeah. why don't I could do some artwork for you and then just gives me a bit of focus yeah. and it will give me a bit of a kick up the butt because cause if I know actually other people are going to see it, I might actually, you know, I need to finish some of this stuff. It's yeah, supposed yeah. to be scrappy little sketches. So, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes uh, total sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so I've got Procreate on my iPad. I think that was a big yeah. breakthrough. Okay. And, and um, uh, so then I could sort of hang out in a coffee shop and, like, just do a few sketches. And um, and then, uh, yeah, and then it sort of it sort of went from there, really. Like, so I've got, um, like, no, I'm just going to Procreate out. And, uh, and I've been really... <laughs> That's cool. Much. I mean, I know this is an audio podcast, but basically what he's doing is going to probably show me some stuff, I imagine. But you send me... IPad, yeah. uh, which is a bit random. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny, like, I mean, just to, uh, as, as you're doing that, I can tell you a quick story that um, I met um, a guy called Paul Gerard, who is, like, a concept designer. He, like, does a bunch of... Uh, he did a, he did like the um, I'm forgetting the names. Oh, like Clash of the Clash of the, uh, Wrath of the Titans, oh, um, yeah, and, okay. and he did the last Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Um, he drew Shredder um, yeah. and stuff like that. So I was really fortunate. I, I obviously you know what was weird is he said don't like talent like don't show anybody. I'm like, well, you're not giving me the pictures, so I can't technically show anyone. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so... Um, yeah, you're only going to get, like, crappy... Like, is, can you see any of that Yeah, stuff? I can. Like, Yeah, I can yeah. see a tiny oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, so, cool. like, yeah. This is like, one of the guys we did. It's kind of based on Gobian as well. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. That's cool. We've got, like, a sniper dude. Yeah, that's cool. And then we've got, like... Uh, a bodyguard, yeah. Yeah, like, so, yeah, so I've basically been working on this very... That's really cool. Try to bang out stuff. That's really cool. Just develop speed, really. That's yeah. so. Um, and much like the artist you're talking about, I want to improve in my concept art. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because it was really cool. He showed me like his. I don't know, like, have you ever been in a situation where you've had to draw something? I mean, obviously, because your friends were going around and stuff, and he's seen your work, it's, it's different. But, like, I'm talking about, like, in previous time, like, maybe when you were at Rebellion, for example, did you ever draw anything and, like, sort of had to be competitive with other artists? Because that's what Paul Gerard was telling me it was interesting. No, no it's not really like that, no. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Re- Rebellion, like... Um, In-house stuff, basically. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, uh, the, they had... Jason knew a bunch of, like, fantastically talented comic artists. Yes. So there would always be somebody, like, around in-house. Yeah. And, um, no, there was no competition because they just kicked the shit out. (laughs) (laughs) That's not really competition, more threat. (laughs) It's total domination. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, but I learned learned a load of stuff off them. I just just sucked knowledge from these guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it's funny, I guess it's like, because, you know, um, again, if you want to listen to that, feel free, but basically just what I find fascinating about his situation was that um, he met the director on Wrath of the Titans and then that he, like, recommended him for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film. Um, and he basically told me when I met him at a convention and he showed me some of his, um, you know, concept designs, is that um, uh, he had to... He, when he drew Shredder, and it was really looked amazing, obviously. I mean, just from my layman's perspective, I thought it looked um, immense. And I'm a huge fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, um, uh, 
um, he told me that he was like fighting, he had to fight against like 12 other people, and they basically had paid everybody to design a shredder, and they picked yeah. the best one and gave credit to whoever won, essentially. Um, so I found that sort of interesting, and, and I, I guess that leads to a whole different pressure whenever you're writing, like you're drawing something that may not be used. Which is kind of yeah. a, a bit. I mean, I don't know how it is on. Yeah, I mean, I think there are different scales of production. So I can imagine, like, if you're working on like, one of those big movies, and this is an area I don't really know about, like that kind of scale of film. So, yeah. like, there'll be a whole team of like concept artists working in art department. Yes. Um, I, I think it's rare to have like that kind of competition as yeah, such yeah. Like, for a design. But I think it's because, like, it's such a huge blockbuster film. As, like, I say, they yeah. just throw money at it and go, we want the best whatever, and money's no object kind of in that sense, whereas it is kind of silly to your point that you would think they would have just got a whole team of concept designers together and go, make us a shredder, instead of getting all yeah. the freelance people. But I Yeah, know. I mean, normally, like, the whole industry film industries run off freelancers, but you normally, like, you pay them and they come into your office. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah, but so you give them, like, less... a nine-month contract or something, if you know what I mean, exactly. like, as long yeah. as the film is on. And, and really, the thing I was, what I was going to say, um, in terms of like the competition part of it, is yes. Um, and I'm trying to work out what the percentage would be, but like that, everybody reaches a certain level. Yeah. Um, uh, where you you you'll get better as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But frankly, nobody will care. <laughs> like, um, I'm, I'm not. I'm being a bit flippant about this, but no. what people will care about? Because, because in the end, you won't get a chance to kind of have um, necessarily have that flair within a project. Yeah. What, what, what you need. What's important is, can you play well with others, and how <laughs> how do you take direction? Yeah, I get that. And so, um, what's so you know, I spent. And this is what I meant, you know, I say, right at the beginning, I was just like, I want to develop as an artist. So I spent, I spent pretty much all my career now, like, it's, it's basically trying to extract, um, information out of a director's brain, like. Yeah. So, um, or, you know, whoever I'm working with, a supervisor's brain, or whatever, you know, like, so they'll have, so the director might come along and go, like, I want some, makes me, make me something scary. Yeah. And, um, you have to give that, like, flesh and bone. Yeah. Indeed, and yeah. um, uh, you know, especially, and uh, so you need to kind of work with the director, kind of trying to help them through an artistic process that they may not be familiar with. It's not like some yeah. guys are really good, but some guys like they they don't know how to use computers at all. Really, they they yeah. they're much more happier behind a camera with the actors, and then comes the visual effects and like ah! <laughs> a bit of panic setting, <laughs> um, yeah. which is fair enough because like you know um, like. Uh, I'm very focused on like what is going to be like ten seconds tops yeah. of a one-hour episode. Yeah, you know, like nobody gives a shit really about the ten seconds. It's yeah. just going to help them have like super hero shots for their TV series. You yes. know, when they do trailers and they'll sell it. Yeah, um, or it will sell a particular scene and have a important story point. Yes. Um, but in the end, like the directors are like an hour's worth of shit to worry about. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really need to know about the visual effects. He shouldn't have to. Yeah, as yeah, such. yeah. He just needs to get me to do what he wants which to is do. Re- which is why, is that is that fair to say that's why, having known a little bit about it, is that that's why essentially that they separate it so you get different directors in the first place and so you can go, you're responsible for that and like they're responsible for the whole thing but they kind of give you the reign to kind of go, this, this is your responsibility to do this and they're not that bothered. It's almost like you, they just need to know that it's going well. Yeah, I mean everybody <laughs> has their own directing style. So yeah. you know, like, um, and... I think 
Well, yeah, certainly my limited experience of doing the same thing is that um, you know you surround yourself with people who will fill your gaps. Yes, essentially. Yeah, and that, that goes for whatever you know. If you're doing film, or if you're like running a country, like you, you will have a certain skill set. You'll know, like, oh, I have no idea how that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Like, come work with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team, and so that's 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 the deal, really. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, um, is you find stuff that you're not great at and find someone that's better at it than you, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it does make um, it does make a great deal of sense um, to do it that way. Um, because as you say, the director's like, I have a whole thing to make. It's a bit like when you said, um, you, you made me think that when you were talking about, you know, doing uh, martial arts or um, stunt work. Yeah. In the, um, I've had stunt workers on this show, and um, like John Corrigan, who did a bunch of stuff, and um, and, and they often tell me that they don't like expect people to give a shit in this regard to to your point is that they go but it is kind of frustrating when people say that stunt work is like easy or whatever uh, in that because they basically say you know you may see a fight scene that takes 30 seconds in the film like in terms of the, the how long it is but in yeah. terms of actually making it it might take upwards of three months yes <laughs> to do yeah, which I also have like a lot as well, um, which is the computer made it. Yes. yes. And um, and after a while, it does get rather frustrating. Yes. No, um, I get that, and I'm assuming some people feel the same way. So, so yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, I guess what why I pursue these many areas is I want to be able to talk to kind of everybody's involved. Yeah. So I mean, I did. Some work from motion capture, which is a very, very different ball game and yes. much significantly safer. Yes. I have to say than any of the stuff that the guys I have worked with have done on films. Yes, like so, you know, I, I got the work because I knew exactly what to do. I wanted to see in the animation, yeah. and I could do it to a level which would get the job the result. Done. Yeah, yeah, and I knew it's a very doing motion capture games is a really unusual sort of tight little bubble yes um, and much I, more I specific I yeah yeah because yeah, I knew how to fall onto a crash mat and all this other stuff and I could do the moves in a particular way that helped me because in the end the kind of work I did for, for motion capture was like uh, it was like dancing almost yeah <laughs> like, I like, get it yeah I have to do these steps in this way every single time and then I have to modify it in a particularly computational way. Yeah. And then these steps in a different way. And it was just easier to do it than it was communicating it. And even when I was communicating, I was still doing it. And it's like, Most is, uh, am I fair to say that is motion capture sort of the same as working with green screen? It's a similar process, is it? No. No. Okay. No. No. Just because I was saying, the reason I was going to say that, I, 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 pref- I prefixed what I was about to say by saying that. By Because I did work on green screen. And I've worked on green screen doing a music video and... I was in it, and um, it just was a really weird, you know, because I've, I've, you know, done a bit of comedy and stuff like that, so I've acted in things and and been, well, you yeah, know, yeah. and it it's a it's a far different. Okay, in that respect, yes, yeah, it definitely is like, um, like the, the the experience as an actor has some similarities, like yeah. um, okay, in motion capture to it is in um, to green screen, um, but there's some like really big key differences in in your performance, yeah, so like um the Especially, so when you're doing motion, so when you're doing motion capture for games, especially, yes, there's no point of view. Um, okay. So if you're, you can think it's much more like being in a in a Greek theatre. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one of these like a Shakespeare theatre. Yeah, 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 yeah. The audience around you. Yes. And, and the other key difference is um, between uh, is that your is more much 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 more body language. 
than it is about like facial motion. Yeah, uh, that's even on even on the high end stuff today. So yeah. like um, you're in you know, big shapes um, and Good silhouette fun. really important and kind of like um, so you're so there's these various like Disney rules which you, which you, like the ten end rules of animation which Disney done and it's all about silhouette and kind of demonstrating your motion kind of like say if I want to pick up a mug. Like, if I have my mug here, yes. you can see the silhouette of the mug. If I have my mug here, the silhouette is um, kind of over me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, which is fine if I've got, like, a dark shirt on. Yes. But underneath, I have my white T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, like, yeah. I, I have my white T-shirt on, then the mug it gets kind of lost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's always kind of, like, rules, which, which you actually, they get, like, theatric Theatre actors know about like yeah. how to use the bodies on stage, so it's, it's much so working in motion capture in that sense is much more about like um, like that sense of thing. So I, I'm actually quite a good physical performer. Yeah, um, and um, so that combined with martial arts is enough to kind of get me through the motion capture door. Yeah, um, but I'm a, I'm a, a, a terrible voice actor. <laughs> okay, Popular voice actor, and um, and my like with my face, I have no idea what to do with it. Like, I have done one bit of like I did a bit of acting for a heavy metal video. I was a bad guy in a heavy yeah. metal video. Okay, <sighs> no, I'm not going to show you where that is. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, that's fascinating because yeah, as I was sort of thinking as we were talking. I understand the difference now by you describing it because yeah I remember when I was doing the green screen a lot of it is like point of origin as in they were saying you they sort of cut off areas and go like you know you, as long as you face a certain direction um, and you'd have like a, a cross on the floor to like make sure you reach it at the same time whereas um, yeah it was that seems a lot different because as you yeah it makes a lot of sense that you've got to have like a 360 perspective um, so yeah that's fascinating um, which is one of the reasons why like you say about like knowing a little bit of everything I think one of the things that I am interested in why I have different guests on for this show is that there's no real boundaries of who comes on and that I'm fascinated by all aspects of like production and how are things made and stuff I find that endlessly interesting so um, it's always fun to kind of talk about the ins and outs of how things are made so um, I'm aware of like that we went a bit longer than we said yeah, we were going to so, so, um, so I wanted to just quickly ask because I always like sort of ending doing this um, is to say like just a quick like fun bit to wrap it up is to say like so what kind of stuff because we're and it kind of goes full circle because you talked about right at the beginning about being sort of a sci-fi nerd and you're into board game sort of role playing games and stuff like that so what kind of stuff are you into just from a generalistic point of view like what media like television series and stuff do you like oh right um, I don't have a TV license and that, oh, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, no, so I don't watch TV anymore. Yeah, yeah I don't um, either. Yeah. Because it was shit. Yes. I <laughs> um, totally, 100% agree. Um, um, which I'm a bit sad about, it. Yeah, because, um, I am too. I, I feel that one... So I basically bought a TV licence to support the BBC because I believe in them. Yes. And they're getting shafted at the moment for I various agree. political reasons. Yes. Um, uh, I've been watching a lot of YouTube, actually. I like YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, um, which... Um, if I look at my viewing habits, yeah, I like watch a truckload of like um, Scott Manley. Have you come across him? No. But Scott Manley's like a massive, like yeah, you'll love him. He's a massive nerd. Okay. He plays like um, Kerbal Space Program. Oh yes, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like my my first degree is in like um, aerospace engineering, like how to build spaceships. That's cool. So he's like a massive space nerd. So I've been okay. watching a lot of his stuff because I've been thinking about doing like a space um, game. Oh, please so, do. 
yeah. <laughs> please do because so, if you can make it remotely good I fall into the trap of right just to tell you Ken how much the pain I go through with space games is that I must have bought virtually every space game I've come across since I was like you know an early teenager because I just love space so that's why I'm on board with what you just said and the amount of space games I bought just on like the front covers especially when I was early and and they're just awful and they just don't they've got no imagination to them and they're very basic and um, I I really miss the space because I um I don't know if you've ever like uh, played um, Elite Dangerous or something or heard of or heard of it, but yeah, yeah, it no, is so dull. I mean, it's okay, it looks okay. it looks amazing, and the actual like you know being in a spaceship is good, but there's just it, it there's no like point of it. There's Have no you point for it. Yeah, I did when it first came out. Uh, yeah. Or faster than light. Um, you mean? Yeah. Um, that's a great game. Like, um, yeah. endlessly interesting. I mean, I have to kind of be realistic about what I can achieve. So, like, yes, like, faster than light's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not expecting you to do like yeah. a least so, dangerous um, game, but uh, faster than yeah, light's no, I'm great. I'm thinking of something the indie equivalent of a one room act. Oh, like, that's cool. So something very tight. Yeah. And something that plays to my strengths. So, yeah. like, uh, you know, my family made spaceships. So. That's cool. Um, so oh, I'm fun. planning to do something that's basically like a. Uh, I, I don't want to say realistic because then I'm going to hand myself. I want to do a um, hard sci-fi um, experience, uh, which isn't about shooting. Yes. It's much about kind of like um, understanding how things work and and surviving basically. Yeah. And set against the kind of. Um, uh, a slightly surreal backstory, um, and I'm, the only thing I'm debating at the moment is like um, whether I make it in VR or not. Okay. So I think that kind of depends on how long I take on it. So if I yeah. if I'm going to spend two years making it, then there's a good argument for just making it in VR. Okay. Um, if I can get it done in a year, then maybe I should just get it onto Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've seen I've seen a, a, like a, is it going to be like a thing where you actually like maneuver the ship or is it going to be like text based? No, it's, it's going to be. I'm playing to my strengths, and my strengths are like kind of like interactive storytelling. So yes. in the sort of like physical sense, so I spent a lot of time in AVP three doing all these kind of like interaction events and working out how to get like first person hands to connect with objects in space. Yes. So um, I'm, I'm I really like. Uh, have you played the room? No. Um, so the room is the room is like a very simple kind of it's almost um, and I don't want it's it's almost a, like a hidden object game but it's, that's does it it's not that's totally not fair it's, <laughs> it's, it's a puzzle game it's a puzzle game and it's genius because it's um, with a lot of adventure games you kind of like you get the thing and then you walk for miles and you do something with that thing and this place over there and you work or but more often what happens is you get a thing and you walk for miles over to the next location it's like oh shit that's the wrong thing yeah yeah and like so for me like missed one I really like missed the first missed yeah yeah basically like here's the thing here and because uh, we can't afford to we don't know how to get from A to B we're just going to teleport to B <laughs> and, and we've got the thing and we're over at B and now we're going to do do the thing over here with B. Yes. And, uh, but in, when they went from, Miss went from like these photo game, like the photo, like surround thing. Yeah. They went to 3D and you like, basically you got the thing and they walked for miles, the walking was boring and then you got to the next place and they're like, ah. So like the room is, what's cool about the room is it's all, it's all set in a room and yeah. what you have is this, um, 
you have this puzzle table basically in a kind of um, vaguely Cthulhu-esque setting. All right, yeah. And um, and you there's a kind of dark backstory to it, and you kind of look around the table and you flick these catches and and you things unravel as it were, like in kind of like in dimensional space kind of thing, and you kind of things are revealed and it's all this Victorian and it's all very cool. cool. Um, they've really nailed the kind of like the feel of it um, with the touch on my iPad. Yeah, and um, so I played all all three of those titles, and I thought what they really nailed there was like a really simple. It's a simple game. It's a very clear experience. It's got bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of atmosphere. Yeah. With yeah. a really, really, really nice kind of background storytelling. So okay. I was like, well, right, okay. Basically, I'm going to do this kind, of, this kind of model I can achieve. Okay. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to look at doing like a really nice um, bit of um, background storytelling in space with all the kind of things that I know. And, and I'm just at the moment. I'm just running through various different design options and working out how complicated I could be. Okay. I mean, in my original conception of what I really wanted to do was like basically life support sim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, cool. So, yeah. Uh, so basically, you know Apollo 13, how they yeah. the stuff that kind of get life support working. Yeah. Uh, so like, well, what if you, um, you know, you could do that. You could yeah. retrofit things and disassemble things and put it back together again and like kind of sort. Of Keep a lot to keep alive, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, think that's probably already, but like, um, so that's that's the that's the element. Well, you're just explaining your thought of what you what yeah. you would like it to be. So yeah, no, yeah, so I may go off do like an Aladdin's carpet or something. I don't know, but like, I'm <laughs> this is where I am now. Yeah, uh, that's cool. So, uh, so that's the kind of idea I've got at the moment, and the, so I'm playing with like how how it, whether it's going to be a sandbox, whether it's going to be kind of like a story driven kind of very linear thing. Yeah. Um, I've got my instinct is that um, actually there'll be too many interactions to make it possible to do like a sandbox. Yeah. And I'm, I need to limit it. I'll need to limit it in some way. Otherwise, the play the player will just get really overloaded. And yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, that's that sounds awesome. So um, uh, what I was going to end on because obviously I'll let people be aware of this in the introduction. So is there anything that you want people to be aware of on the interwebs? Are you uh, do you have like a website or you uh, anything oh, that? Yeah, shit. Sure. I have an internet page. Yes, I have an internet page. It's called um, www.designimage.co.uk. Okay. Uh, and that's my visual effects page. Um, Very cool. I've got a ton of like. 3ds max and fusion tutorial stuff on there which i'm is free basically so like i'm a big kind of like i really believe in just like community stuff so yeah let people like, have access to things yeah. Yeah, so, yeah so i don't really it's never uh, yeah i don't feel the need to cling to knowledge or anything like that i think it's like whatever i know you can people know how like like email me about like if they want to know how to do stuff and i can help that's really cool and, uh, I'll help if I can if I've got time otherwise I'll just say like oh, I haven't got time right now yeah um, I think probably what I'll do next is um, I'm thinking about doing a, like a Patreon site um, oh right, right. quite justify as much time to kind of community stuff as I'd need yeah because in the end I need to pay the bills yes so, um, so and like at the moment I'm getting like I don't know like two or three hits on just downloading this one bit of software that I've written mm-hmm. every day Okay. So I'm figuring if I, maybe I could get like a few patrons like contributing that, I'd justify like, actually giving it some proper support. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that's um, something we're considering with the podcast, just to kind of like keep it ticking over as to go. There's enough people listening that we're like, oh, we need to, and um, maybe say if people are just if the people enough people donate just a pound, then that's enough to justify, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, paying the cost because like. I'm sure you'll you'll know this too. And any you know having needing to have space on the internet is that like we're we're constantly paying for more space because the level yeah. of people listening is getting higher and higher and higher. And we've been doing it for a while, so um, yeah. So it's just yeah. So I I, that, I totally understand you justifying that because obviously you know I do other things to pay the bills, like you say. But um, yeah, it would be nice to do something you really care about and uh, get enough to keep. Yeah, and also I think it would give it a focus. You know, yeah. so if I'm building stuff for the community, like I don't know what they want. Yeah, 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 what exactly, do, what yeah. do you want me to think? So, like, it yeah. would be a two-way thing. Yeah. Um, and, that um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I'll obviously like, uh, make sure I'll put a, a link in the description so people can have a look at your site and uh, and see what uh, stuff's on there. Um, are you on the um, the Twitterverse, Facebooky stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm... I have to remind myself what that is. Yeah. It's um, at Design Image Info, I think. Okay. Which is a stupid Twitter name, but oh, I was young and innocent at the time. Oh, it's cool. So yeah, so obviously if I uh, change you now, I'm doomed, right? Cause yeah. Gonna, well, exactly. Yeah, you can change yeah. it, but um, but you know, um, if you've got like you know business cards printed or something, it might cost you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Well, I think follow you lose followers and shit like that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say about my site name, there's a there's also a www.design-image.co.uk www.design-image. Yeah, and there Portsmouth space can like graphics agency okay so if you don't arrive on a page which has got lots of visual effects on it um, that's you're in the wrong place <laughs> yeah, fair so enough anyway, good to know well it's okay I'll make sure I get the right link and so people can click away and, uh, and, and there'll be yeah. a direct link to your site and so they can have a look um, but this has been really fun I could talk to you forever and like it's flown by I never even realised that we were like half an hour over what we're supposed to do but yeah, I think it's like quarter, three quarters an hour yeah, yeah yeah but that's okay it's fine um, but uh, I, I'll, uh, you know, I, I do, you know, I don't really necessarily have a limit limit on this. It's just uh, I need at least an hour for it to make sense. But um, so okay. it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, um, I, I'll wrap this up. But just to say that huge thank you for coming on. It's been a real, it's been really interesting and fun. And and just thank you so much for taking the time. It was really fun. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, well, I certainly hope we can do this again if I've got something pretty to show. Yes. No, of course. Um, you're welcome yeah. back anytime. Just obviously let me know when you need to come on and if you want to... Yeah, because it does feel like you've not... I mean, like, you've promoted stuff, but, you've, uh, but yeah, if you've got something to promote, you're more than welcome to come back on. It'd be fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do feel like, yeah, as you said, we did a lot of, oh, we'll get back to that and never got back to it. So That's maybe it, yeah, we yeah. should. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do it again. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I also do like, what works quite well on Skype is you can like, I can show people these software packages and like, yeah. and say, so you go, how do you do that? I go, right, like this. Bosh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and as someone who I have next to no skill in this ability, I've never been able to draw and I've not got any skills in that area. So, um, I admire people who do. So even I'm just intrigued on a, on a, an interest level. So, yeah. um, so yeah, to- totally. And I-, I wish you luck with everything and, um, cool. and obviously, um, uh, good luck with Broken Shield. I know that I'm, uh, Gunnar's gonna show me some stuff. So I'll probably see all your designs. Yeah. Uh, uh, in in its fruition, so I look forward to seeing that. But um, just thank you for coming on. You're welcome back anytime, Brilliant, Ken. Mate. Okay, um, cool. Um, I'll wrap this up and say bye to you off air. But um, huge thank you to Ken uh, for being on the show. Obviously, if you listen to this on iTunes, please do consider subscribing to us if you enjoyed the episode. And let's face it, if you got this far, you probably did enjoy it. So therefore, you got nothing to lose. Uh, <laughs> and obviously. Um, 
you can follow us on tw- on the tweets as well, which is at geek underscore apocalypse. And like Ken said, you can go to his website, um, which will be there'll be a link in the description, and you can have a look at the stuff he's involved in. But um, thanks a lot, guys, for listening to the latest episode. Um, I'll end the podcast like I always end, and then we to the great boomy view robot charts crash and burn. And I'll we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Geek Podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>